Uh, so we're in Matthew chapter 21. The triumphant entry, or uh, Palm Sunday, is recorded in all four Gospels, and this is Matthew's recording of it. And I want to read just the first few verses here. It says, uh, Now when they drew near to Jerusalem and came to Bethpage, to the Mount of Olives, then Jesus sent two disciples out. So they came back to uh, this area of the Mount of Olives. It kind of lo- overlooks the city of Jerusalem, if I'm not mistaken. And Jesus knows what's coming ahead. And it's, so it's kind of interesting because uh, we have the ability to look back in time, uh, to look how he speaks and what he speaks and what he says and what he does, knowing what's ahead of him. And so, you know, often uh, we just live day to day or uh, we live moment to moment and we don't know what's ahead and we don't have the ability uh, sometimes to uh, uh, prepare and, and to walk out. So we have to, we walk each moment out by faith. But we know for sure that Jesus knew this was coming because he is working to fulfill prophetic words that are spoken over him. And so what he does is, I think, very thought out and very prayed through and uh, just Jesus being Jesus uh, this final week. It's not like he was different the prior weeks. He wasn't. He was the same, and that's what's unique about him. The fact that this was coming, his death, the pain that was heading, he was walking into, uh, what he would walk for, did not affect who he was. He continued to be Jesus throughout this entire week. He continued to walk out the same way he had walked out before. Now, if you knew, hey, guys, at the end of this week on Friday, you're going to be unjustly arrested, beat up really bad, denied by all your friends, and then they're going to kill you, would that affect your attitude or mood today? Would you be like, oh, dang. You know, he knew this. Moving into this situation, right, turn around. I'm getting out of here, right? Yet he continues to be Jesus and to walk out the, the Savior, the, the loving individual, the one who boldly speaks the truth. The, he continues to walk out who he is without it affecting him. So he's here in Bethpage. He's overlooking what's coming. He has eyes to see what's coming, and he says to his disciples, hey, guys, uh, two of them, hey, you two, I want you to go down, go into the village in front of you. This is, I guess, Beth Page, maybe. And immediately, you're going to find a donkey tied up. And uh, next to the donkey is going to be a, a baby donkey, a colt, with her. And I want you to untie them and bring them to me. Now, different versions have a different way, but it's sometimes it's just one. Sometimes it's the two of them together in the four. Emphasis being on the fact that he, he the, the big picture on he did this. Uh, untie them and bring them to me. And if anyone says anything to you, you say to them, hey, the Lord needs these, and he will send them at once. Maybe that's how we need to just treat everything. Hey, you know, I, I, I need this. Uh, the Lord needs this. Do you get where I'm going with No, okay. <laughs> I've had some uh, pastoral friends who've done very bold things like that. You, you need to give me this building because the Lord needs it. I, I've never been the, able to do anything like that yet. But anyway, 
So he says, you just tell him the Lord needs this. Now, I want you to understand, in case you didn't know, this fulfills a prophecy out of the book of Zechariah. Zechariah, Z-E, not Z-A. Zechariah, which is one of the last Zechariah, I say Zechariah, uh, chapter 9, verse 9, where it says, Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout aloud, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, your king is coming to you. Righteous and having salvation is he, humble and mounted on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. So you see why he grabbed both of them. And he comes in there fulfilling this verse. And you can tell, I mean, just the boldness of Jesus, because he knows, okay, I'm going to be entering. And I know that uh, Zechariah, by the Spirit of the Lord, prophesied this is going to happen. So the Spirit of the Lord hundreds of years ago said, this is the way my final entry in Jerusalem will take place. Okay? So Jesus gets up there and he goes, okay, I know this is going to happen. So guys, go forward and this is what you're going to find, the resource that's there to fulfill this word that was spoken. It wasn't like Jesus prearranged this. He knew that God had already prearranged it because God had spoken of it 400 years ago. And Jesus believed what the word of the Lord was. So he says, we're going to act in faith upon what the word of the Lord is And let's walk in this. The word of the Lord says it's going to be there. So guys, go grab that so that I can ride this into Jerusalem and fulfill what the Lord said 400 uh, years ago because of the word of the Lord does not return void. The Lord speaks. Jesus responds with faith. And I'm of course, this took place to fulfill what was spoken of out of Zechariah. It's, it's uh, in verse 4 here and 5. It is quoted here in the book of Matthew. The disciples went and did as Jesus directed them. Verse 7, they brought the donkey and the colt and put on them their cloaks and he sat on them. In other versions of the uh, Gospels, it says the guys asked them, hey, what are you doing? And they said, hey, the Lord needs it. And the guys were like, oh, okay. I wonder if there was a tinge in their hearts of, wait just a second, is this Zechariah that we've been reading about? Could this be the Messiah? Hey, he's asked for the colt. Because this is, this is common knowledge stuff that they would have read. They would have understood. Ooh, look at this here. I did a little bit of a study, and it said that uh, a colt that had never been rode on, I think it's uh, Mark mentions that or Luke mentions, it was a colt that had never been ridden on before. And a colt at that age that had never been ridden on before was one that had been set apart for uh, like set apart as holiness. It had been devoted to the Lord for a specific task. So they the, the owner anticipated. Now what they, he anticipated it to be, I don't know, but he had anticipated this uh, young donkey would be used by the Lord for something. So he had set it apart, and no one had sat on it. It had been unused. And it was prepared to fulfill Zechariah 9. What has the Lord told you? What has the Lord spoken to you? Do you move forward with anticipation of the Lord fulfilling what he has spoken to you? 
challenging, isn't it? Jesus did, and we love reading these miracles because Jesus heard the word of the Lord and he responded in faith that the word of the Lord would be there and the word was there. And it happened, and we read it. I wonder what it was like for these disciples. They were like, whoa, dude. He said it, and sure enough, it was there. <laughs> write this down, Matthew. Hey, Mark. Well, Mark wasn't there, but Luke. Well, Luke wasn't there. John, write this down. <laughs> so they ride in. And during this week that Jesus is there in Jerusalem, so many ma amazing, cool things that we teach, you know, that, that we teach uh, in the context of just the teachings or the actions of Jesus, but we don't realize they're in that last week, the things that he does. For example, uh, he prays over Jerusalem and weeps over Jerusalem. He spends a great deal of energy just praying over and interceding over Jerusalem right before he enters it or right after he enters it. His heart pours out for those that celebrate his coming that he knows in a week or less than a week will be crucifying him. He cleanses the temple. I think he does it twice actually in his time, but this is like the second or major time that he cleanses the temple. And by cleansing the temple, you have to understand, he goes in there and turns over all of the, uh, anything that has, they have perverted the house of the Lord into making anything that wasn't from the Lord. They, he went in there and just cleaned it all out. So, I mean, he's like destroying people's businesses. He's messing with their lives. Getting right in there. You've perverted the, the house of the Lord and you've made it into a den of thieves. You're not caring for the flock. You're caring about yourself and your personal interest to the extent that you'd even cheat your brother in the process. And I'm not going to put up with that anymore. This house shall be a house of prayer for the nations. So he cleans the temple. He teaches some things. He, he, uh, I don't know if you remember, he curses the fig tree on the way in, on the way back, it's dead, and, and everybody's like, oh, my word. And he says, you know, if you, if you say to the mountain, mountain be picked up and cast to the sea, if you believe it's going to happen, that, that's from that whole teaching. That happens now during this week. Uh, he talks about the two sons uh, where he had one and he sent him away and he, he does a lot of parables. He talks about the parables of the tenants when he turns the, the field over and then he sends his son to get it and they kill his son. Yeah. You remember that one? Uh, he talks about the wedding feast, about going out and, and calling them in. These are all things that take place. He talks about give unto Caesar what is Caesar's, give unto God what is God's. That whole statement takes place during this week. He has the argument with the Pharisees, sorry, with the Sadducees over the resurrection, where they say, okay, Jesus, you're so smart. What if there were seven guys and each one married the same woman and they all died? Who, when they're resurrected, are going to be actually married to the woman? And Jesus said, you know neither the word nor the heart of God. Ouch. You don't even know what you're talking about is basically what he says to him. And if you want to find out what he actually says, you can get in there and dig. It's in there. He talks about the greatest commandment. What is the greatest commandment? Yes. 
and right. Everything is built on these two things. This happens during this week. He's laying out foundation. This is stuff we teach about in church and Sunday school. We emphasize, uh, we are culturally affected by it. You know, love your neighbor, do good to your neighbor. You know, uh, Hope Rocks recently, Harvesters came to us and said, we need to change our terminology. We're no longer calling people who come to our food pantry as clients. We're calling them neighbors. And we need you to change your terminology. Because neighbors feels more like you're a part of the family. And I get it. Great. I mean, we're not against that at all. We're totally fine with that. But you can see Jesus' words here about loving your neighbor as yourself, do unto others as you'd have them do unto you, has infiltrated culture, but it comes out of this week right before he is heading to die. Very stressful week. But even in the midst of the stress, he doesn't lose his Jesusness. This is when the seven woes take place. Are you familiar with the seven woes? This is when he says, woe to the Pharisees and, and the Sadducees and the teachers of the law. He woes them seven times. A couple of the gospels just refer it as he re- woed them once. It just refers to the woes. But in one of the gospels, it lay, lays out the seven woes and he nails them. He, he just puts it all out there. And I think he does it in love. I think he needs to make it very clear. I need you to clearly understand where you're missing it, guys, because I'm getting ready to be out of here, and I have to speak this so that at least you have the thought and the the seed planted in your heart that I can deal with it. Because you're missing it in these seven areas, and it's holding you back from being able to see me, who I am, and how much I love you. This is the parable of the ten virgins. You know, where he had ten virgins and five, they all had lamps and five had oil in their lamps and five did not. This takes place during this week. We get good songs like, is there oil in my lamp? Keep me burning. Is there oil in my lamp? I pray, I pray. You guys don't know that one? Okay. (laughs) Hmm. The parable of the talents. Surprise me. It's this week. I was thinking this was earlier, but it's this week in one of the Gospels. He, he goes to and he says, you know, the man's leaving. So he gives one ten, and he, well, he gives one five, and he gives one one. And they go their different ways, you know, and they, the ten multiplies it to ten. The five multiplies it to five, five more. And uh, the one buries it because he says, oh, he's not a nice guy, and I don't want to make him upset, you know. And deals with that. But that happens during this week. And these are foundational teachings in Christianity all this week. He talks about the sheep and the goats. Matthew 24, one of the most fearful chapters in the New Testament, where he talks about, you know, they come before him, there's the sheep and the goats. You know the difference between a sheep and a goat? A sheep is one that is submitted. A goat is one that is just bucking you constantly. You have to beat it to get it to do what you want to do. The sheep and the goats. The widow's mite or the widow's penny the coins that she gave was one one hundredth and twenty-eighth of a daily wage. Just that offering took place this week. Notice she gave it all. 
she gave everything that she had to give, which was a greater offering than everybody else who was throwing in out of their excess. Jesus is heading towards giving all that he has to give, which will be the greatest offering, far outweighing everything ever given, and it frees us and meets our needs. This all happens this week. You know that he uh, washes the disciples' feet. They're f- there's not, well, disciples' feet. Probably would be the better plural on that. Disciples' feet. You know, I do have problems with English. You knew that? It's my uh, secondary language. <clears throat> I, uh, <laughs> uh, we had a, f- a f- member of our family had transcribed something that I had said from the pulpit and had sent it to me, which was a blessing. It was wonderful. But after looking at it, I realized, oh, my I need to edit the English on this. <laughs> and so I edited it and sent it back and said, thank you. I mean, it was a blessing, but I realized I did need to edit the English. <clears throat> God bless your ears to hear. He does this great parable where he talks about, you know, if the seed doesn't fall into the ground and die, it won't bring forth fruit. He says that this week. That's one of those painful ones because it's the realization he is talking about himself unless he dies, but also he talks a lot about us. Sometimes the dream has to die. Sometimes the, the motivation has to die. Sometimes the martyr's blood will be shed. Sometimes this will happen so that the fruit will be produced. Probably one of the greatest examples I have that I think about often is my utmost for by my utmost for his highest by Oswald Chambers. Great devotional. Anybody heard of it? Yeah. So uh, Oswald was a young guy, got married, taught in Bible schools, uh, went off to be a missionary in World War I in Egypt. He was ministering to uh, to English soldiers in Egypt, caught a disease and died in his early 20s. So uh, his wife, who was a great stenographer, had uh, taken notes of all of his teaching. And after he, he died, she edited it and made the book, My Utmost for His Highest. It's just one of those things. He dies, yet the seed is multiplied and spreads. I mean, this is over 100 years later. His books are still being printed, these seeds that grab you and cause you to love Jesus and pursue him passionately. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. He says it during this week. He preaches on the Holy Spirit this week, defines the ministry of the Holy Spirit using the verses that we use to really teach on who the Holy Spirit is this week, John 14, 15, 16. He talks about the vine in John 15. You know, we abide in the vine. We use that a lot. You need to abide, abide in Jesus. That happens this week. And he talks a ton on unity this week.
He was anointed at Bethany, you know, where the woman uh, uh, kissed his feet and poured oil over them this week and poured oil over, poured uh, just a ton of money of anointing oil over him. And it's where Judas said, man, this could have been sold and we could have given the money to the poor. And uh, Jesus rebuked Judas and said that famous line, the poor will be with you always. This is this week. Communion is really mentioned this week. I'm sure they did it before because they celebrated Passover before, but it's finally like really emphasized. There's a few other times when he said, you know, if you don't drink my blood and eat my body, you have no part of me. But this is the time when he sits down and he says, do this in remembrance of me. Happens this week. Institutes this sacrament. Of course, right after this dinner, there's this big argument among the disciples about who's the greatest. This is like right before he's arrested. This is, uh, you know like Friday morning maybe, or if it's in the other calendar, it's Wednesday something. I don't know when it exactly fell on our calendar. We say Friday. But they have this big argument, and he has to talk to them about the greatest among you is the servant of all. He prophesies a lot. He prophesies about the destruction of the temple that takes place just like 40 years later when the Romans came in and just wiped out Jerusalem. This is like 40 years away, one generation. This generation shall not fail until it sees this happen. He preaches a lot about, they prophesies about the end times and the second coming. A lot there, Matthew 24. He talks a lot about this. He prophesies about Peter's denial. Ouch. Now leading up to Peter's denial... Jesus had shared with them, hey, you know, I'm going to go to Jerusalem and I'm going to die there. And they all got, all the disciples got scared and, and uh, Peter says, hey, Jesus, even if all of them run away, I will not run away from you. I will not deny you. I will not forsake you. And Jesus looks at him and says, hey, Pete, actually, you know, before the chicken, or the cock or the rooster crows three times, you're going to do it. And Peter says, no, 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 not, not me. It ain't going to happen. That's why you see in John 21 where Jesus comes back and he says, hey, Peter, do you love me? Yes, I love you. Peter, do you love me? Yes, I love you. Peter, do you love me? Three times for the three denials, Jesus is healing that in his heart, reminding Peter, you know, it's not in your own strength, bro. It's in me. Just keep your eyes on me. That happens this week. We see the uh, Gethsemane. He, he got away. He got away by himself and f- prayed through to get the victory to be able to walk it out. We see Jesus walking through betrayal. We th- see Jesus walking through denial. Everybody, he left him. One guy left so fast he ran out of his clothes you remember that? He ran so fast, he didn't care. I just, he just had to get out of there. Fear, you know, that uh, flight, fight or flight. Flight hit him and he ran. This all happened to Jesus. 
Can you imagine building a team and being with them for three years and hearing how much they love you and how much they're for you and they'll always be with you and then getting down and knowing that it's going to get to that point where it's coming to death because they're thinking, hey, we're always going to be with you because you're just going to go higher and higher and higher and higher. Pretty soon you're going to be king of all Jerusalem and we're all going to have thrones sitting next to you. So we're, we're with you, bro. And then it gets down to the difficult season where the reality of it is that he has to be the Lamb of God who pours out his blood for the salvation so that you all could be sitting here this morning. For that, Jesus was willing to endure the cross. But they didn't see that because they could not see that far, but he saw that far. And when it came down to the point, they all were like, dude, we're out of here. I ain't laying down my life. Well, of course, Jesus didn't ask you at this point to lay down your life. That'll come later. Because each of them did, except for John. John tried to several times. Didn't work. You can only be boiled in oil once, I guess. And then he comes and he lays down his life for his friends. That means you're a friend of God. He laid down his life for you. In the midst of all of this, keep in mind that while he was doing this, he never stopped forgiving. He still went around forgiving. Even to the moment on the cross, Father, forgive them because they don't know what they're doing. So why would he stop forgiving now? If he could forgive all during that week up to the point he breathed his last breath, why would he stop forgiving now? Because Jesus, even though he's on the throne, Jesus is still the same Jesus that walked out this week and walked out the other weeks. Jesus still showed mercy. Do you know what mercy is? Mercy is when you don't deserve it. That often means you deserve the opposite. You know, you have to deserve judgment before you can receive mercy. It's not like the judges in the criminal system just walk down the street or get on social media and say, hey, you're pardoned, I forgive you. Or the president gets on and issues pardons to Don. Don gets a pardon in the mail from the president, and Don's like, what did I do? And the president says, I don't know, but I don't care. I'm just going to forgive you anyway. You know, you have to be guilty to be forgiven, to be shown mercy. And Jesus still shows mercy. You got somebody around you who needs mercy? Means they're probably worthy of some type of judgment. Jesus is willing to show them mercy. Oh, but Lord, I've, I've done too much. Oh, oh, that is towards internal. Oh, Lord, I, uh, you, you don't know what I've done. I don't deserve your mercy. Well, that's a lie. You need to receive the mercy of Jesus. You're saying that your sin is too great for the blood of Jesus, that what he did on the cross wasn't sufficient. You, you need some other monstrosity act uh, to get, get your sins taken care of. That's internal. External is, but Lord, you don't know what they've done. You don't know what they did to me. So, yeah, your blood is enough for all of my sins and all everybody's, but not their sins. Not this, Lord. We're not going to forgive that. That's that external. And that doesn't work as well. The, the mercy of Jesus that applies to me also applies to that sin. And we walk in it by saying, Lord, 
I choose to forgive them, and I pray they walk in your forgiveness, Lord. They receive your forgiveness. He didn't stop calling to holiness that entire week. He called to holiness like crazy. Everywhere he went, he, he kept saying, hey, guys, let's be holy. Clearing the temple out. Talking to the Pharisees. Hey, whoa, don't do that. You're missing it. You're off here. You think you're devoted to God, but you're totally off in your devotion. You need to be devoted to the Lord. Where's your heart? He calls to holiness. Holiness is being like Jesus. Not being religious. Holiness is being like Jesus. It's not an atmosphere in a room with uh, sunlight coming through stained glass windows and smoke, incense burning, and, and organ music. That isn't holy. Jesus is holy. If that draws you to Jesus, great, but that in itself is not holy. Jesus is holy. We want to be like Jesus. He spoke the truth. You know, he was great about speaking the truth. Uh, he loved them enough to speak the truth. You know, we always say speak the truth in love. Well, speak because you love the person. And if you don't really love the person, then keep your mouth shut until you do. And if you're saying it, well, you know, I am, well, then do you truly love them? Are you willing to serve and wash their feet? Because that's what Jesus, the same people that he spoke the truth to, he was willing to pour out his blood for. He was willing to wash his disciples' feet. He was willing to lay down his life and forgive them as he was dying, the same guys who unjustly beat him, lied about him. So that's love. And if you have that love for these people, then yeah, speak. Speak, bro, speak. Speak what's on your heart. Love. He walked in humility. Man, even when he was coming down, uh, coming down the mountain on this donkey, and everybody's like, yay, it's the Messiah. We're saved. It's awesome. He was humble enough to receive that. He didn't have false humility. Oh, no, 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 no. I'm not worthy of of this, I'm not, he received it. At the same time, he walked it out when they denied, he could have wiped them out. He could have, like the uh, thief on the cross said, called down angels. He could have called down angels. But he walked in humility. He humbled himself to the will of the Lord for you. And he still does. He still walks in humility and calls us to walk in humility. Jesus, oh, I forgot to say, still calls to holiness, and he still speaks truth. If you, you know, you're reading your Bible, and Jesus speaks to you from the word. He still speaks truth, does he not? Does he not call you and, and get you right in your heart, and he goes, ooh, what about this right here? Let's, come on now. Jesus put others above himself, and he still puts others above himself. He still lays down his life. He, Jesus interceded. Man, Jesus interceded and he prayed and he interceded. And he still does that. In fact, it says that in Romans that he makes intercessions for you. That's where we get those. I know sometimes in our American theology, it can be like, yeah, Jesus is all for me and everything. And like there's no, he never corrects or anything. And that's not true. But he is for you. 
Don't throw out the truth that he is for you. He meets you where you are, and he speaks life and calls you into it. And if he needs to correct you, he's going to correct you because he loves you. But it's going to come from his love, and he's going to say, okay, you're better than this. Let's move out of this. And he's going to be very long-suffering because that's his character. This is who Jesus is. But he does meet you where you are and encourages you. I see you. He called others into deeper devotion during this week, and he still does that today. Go deeper. Love me. Love me. Let me love you. Receive my love and show my love. Receive my love and show my love. Almost done here. He built relationships this week. He went deeper with people this week. You know, often um, when we're heading toward an end, we unplug and check out. You know, well, I'm not going to do that anymore. Not worth investing in that anymore, you know. The royals are going to be moving. Are they going to be in Kansas? Are they going to be in Missouri? I'm going to wait and see. I'm going to check out of this relationship. Jesus continued to build relationships up to the very end. He's sitting there hanging on the cross, and he says to the thief, hey, dude, you're going to be with me today in paradise. That's what I want. That, right, I see that in your heart. That's the other guy. Poor guy. Can you imagine for eternity thinking I was right there if I just humbled myself? Then he looks at it and he says, hey, John, your mother. Hey, mother, your son. He took care of the relationship. I want to take, make sure mom's taken care of. And John, I know you, you need somebody to take care of. Jesus cared for people. He went around, man, just constantly caring. Here he is sitting at the table. And he says, the one that's going to deny me or the one that's going to sell me out, I'm going to dip bread with now. Judas. Judas was sitting like right next to him. Judas. So he cared enough to give Judas even one more chance to back out of it. He cared for these people. He washed Judas' feet as well. I assume Judas was there. He cared for people. And he continues to care for people. He cares for you. He cares for you. He cares for you. Jesus loves you. Jesus loves you. And lastly here, during this whole week, Jesus encouraged unity. Be together, be in family, care for one another, love one another. You can read John 17. It's all about unity. Be in unity. Don't let things separate you. Don't get in stupid fights. Don't try to outdo each other and think who's, who's the better one, and who, be, but be servants to all. Be in unity with one, one another. Be in unity as I and the Father are in unity. Be in unity. Get past, talk, be honest, be real. Be in unity. And he still does that today when he prods on our hearts. You know, he still prods our hearts to, okay, 
you're going to have to get past this. Okay, you're going to have to deal with this. Okay, you're going to have to have that conversation. Okay, you're going to have to forgive. Okay, you're going to have to be real. Okay, he still does this. And it's very loving. I don't know, do you guys get bricks thrown at you? I don't get bricks thrown at me. I get more of, okay, Matt, son, hey, pay attention. Do you see your heart there? Yes, I see my heart. Why, is your, why are you so downcast? You know, like he says to, God said to Cain, why are you downcast? Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And we celebrate his entry to face this week that's ahead of him. I think we, we should celebrate the fact that he did not change and become somebody different. And that he walked through. And that tells us that the Jesus who was alive today is the same that was during that week and is with you, for you, uh, challenging you, encouraging you, spurring you on each and every day as long as you take your breath and until you see him face to face. Let us celebrate his continued coming in our lives. Amen and amen. I want to go ahead and pray over you this morning. I know we're a little early, but it's okay. Father, we thank you, Lord Jesus, for your faithfulness to the cross and your willingness, Lord Jesus, to meet us where we are and to move us forward lovingly, Lord. Thank you, Father, for it, for all that you did that week. Just as an example Lord, to encourage us. Thank you for your prayer, Lord. Thank you for your call to holiness. Thank you for your servant's heart, Lord. Thank you for your call to unity. Thank you that you can cleanse these temples. You do it so well. Thank you, Lord, for giving us sight to the future. Thank you, Lord, for just your prayer and, and uh, giving us the ability to get away with you. Thank you, Lord, that you understand betrayal and denial and sacrifice. Thank you, Lord, for your willingness to lay down your life. Jesus, thank you for all that you've done and all that you do today and all that you're doing in our midst, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. We celebrate your life today because truly you are the way, the truth, and the life. And we pray in your name, which now has all authority, in Jesus' name, Amen and amen.